Thanks so much, Ben. I invite you to grab a seat. I'd love to welcome you along to Beyond tonight. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And before we jump into uh, part two of Skin in the Game, uh, I just want to reiterate what Clarissa said about yesterday. It's been a, a big weekend and it's going to be a big couple of weeks uh, in the life of our community at Beyond. We turn two in two weeks' time. On Wednesday night, we have team night at Told You So. Uh, and then yesterday, like Clarissa said, we had four teams go out into four different houses. Not only that, uh, Holly uh, was here at 6.30 in the morning cooking breakfast for everyone that went out. And it wasn't just any breakfast. It was like eggs two ways with bacon and pancakes. Like it was hectic as. And then not only that, but we have a whole heap of, thanks Josh, a whole heap of meals that are going out to a whole heap of families during the week as well. So we've had a whole bunch of people cooking throughout the week. So thank you to everyone that cooked. Thank you to everyone that uh, well, uh, helped. Uh, that that just, I think deserves another round of applause. Hey. Uh, and if you, are, if you are new or if this is your first time to, uh, with us at Beyond, I just want you to know that you are sitting around some of the most generous, some of the most loving, some of the most selfless people in the community to give up all that time uh, as well on their weekend, just to uh, not to secretly hand out Bible packs, not to secretly like invite people, but just to show the practical love of God and what it looks like to love our community. Uh, but if you are joining us tonight for the first time, we're in part two of a three-part series. We kicked it off last week, we'll wrap it up next week, of a series that we're doing called Skin in the Game. Uh, the way we like to do series here at Beyond is we'll pick a, a big idea and we'll unpack it, we'll dive in over a couple of weeks, and so really it's an hour and a half conversation just in three parts and um, we kind of get our team to brand it. So it's Skin in the Game, and the big idea for this series that we're talking about is this. As followers of Jesus... We're not called to go to church, we're called to be the church. Followers of Jesus are not called to go to church, we're called to be the church. And maybe some of you are sitting here tonight and you're like, I have a question, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I don't know if this applies to me. Uh, we want you to know you're so welcome here tonight. And in fact, even though this series, what we're going to be talking about may not apply to you directly, because maybe uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, none of what we're talking about applies to you. But this might just be your opportunity to lean in a little bit, and to get a front row seat to what it looks like to, to see a group of people who are followers of Jesus talk about what the church is all about and what it actually means to be the church. Because maybe for you, you had an idea in your head uh, growing up of what the church looked like. And we actually talked about that last week. We actually said that the church was never intended to be a meeting. It was always intended to be a movement. And over time, through, uh, through history, I can't go over the entire message, but if you want to check it out, you can jump onto our SoundCloud and check it out, that over time through history, we have become to think of the church as a building, as a place, as a location that we go to at a certain time during the day, but the original intention of the church was never to be a meeting, it was always to be a movement. And so we've been talking about that, we started last week and we're talking about it tonight and during the, during the week I was researching, um, which is just a fancy way to say I was Googling, um, and I was Googling how many people uh, live in the world. I thought it was 6 billion. Turns out there's about 7.347 billion people that live in the world. And that is 7.347 people that have a story. Because you, you know, and, and I know, that every single body has a story. Everybody that exists on the planet has a story. Which means that there are roughly... 7.34 billion stories. Stories of hopes, stories of dreams, stories that people are currently writing, stories that people are currently rewriting. And we believe here at Beyond that each and every one of those stories is a story that God cares about. 
And we believe, and what we're talking about throughout this series, is that as followers of Jesus, as the church, it's our role to show people, these 7.347 billion people, that God cares about their story. That despite what they've gone through, despite what they're going through, that God cares deeply about their story. And the problem, the problem and maybe the tension and maybe the reason that, you, that we've sat in church and we've gone to church our whole lives and we hear this thing that like, you don't go to church, you are the church. You don't go to church, you are the church. The problem and the reason that we kind of never actually take ownership of, of the fact that it's our privilege and our opportunity to share that love with these 7.347 billion people is simply this. We think, I'm a part of the church. I'm just not an important part. Like, if I wasn't here, no one would miss me. If I, if I didn't go to a church, if I just kind of dropped off the grid, if I went to a different church or if I went to, you know, not, not like go to a different church. If you go to a different church, you're still part of the, the big church. But if you stop going to church altogether, maybe you think, I'm just not really an important part. Or maybe you think like the role that I play is not an important role. And chances are the reason that you've been, you hold that belief, or the reason that maybe you've gone to church your whole life and you kind of have come to this conclusion is because of people like me. People who sit up the front with a microphone. Because when we think of church as a meeting, and when we think of meetings in our normal, uh, in, our, in our regular lives, in, in, when, we, when we're involved in meetings, the person who's most important in a meeting is the person that has the microphone. And so we come to church And we go, well, I don't have a microphone like that guy. I don't have a microphone like that girl. I don't have a voice. I can't sing. So so my role must not be that important. And the reason we think about that is because we think, like we talked about last week, that church is a meeting. But when it comes to the church, what we're going to discover tonight is that everyone plays a role, but only you can play your role. Every single person plays a role, but the truth is only you can play your role. Because the truth is, no matter what church you go to, no matter what communicator you listen to sit up the front with a microphone, no matter what person you hear hosting with a microphone, no matter what band you see singing in front of a church with a microphone, the truth is that at the end of the day, when you go home, when your friend calls you up to talk about their breakup, When your friend calls you up to tell you that their parents are going through a divorce. When your friend calls you up to tell you that they just lost their job and they don't know what they're going to do. When your friend calls you up to tell you that they're a victim of abuse and they don't know where to turn. They're not talking to a person with a microphone. They're talking to you. And at that point in time, the person with the microphone, the person with the voice is of no use to them. It's you. You're their friend and you're in their circle of influence, not a person on a stage, not a person on a podcast. And what we're just going to discover tonight is that maybe for whatever reason, you viewed your role as unimportant or you viewed your role as less important than someone else. And what we're going to discover tonight is that when you disengage or when you begin to think that, oh, my role's not, just not that important because it's not a certain role, not only does the church miss out on something, but ultimately you miss out on something. 
And we're going to discover that tonight through uh, a letter that a guy called Paul wrote to a church that he started in the city of Corinth. If you don't know anything about Paul, Paul uh, is a pretty bad dude. Before his name was Paul, his name was Saul. And he actually was the, gave the order to have the first ever Christian killed for their faith. Paul was there, the dude's name was Stephen, and Paul gave the order for the first ever Christian to be murdered. And then Paul went kind of on a rampage, he was kind of set on destroying the church until he became a Christian, changed his name to Paul, and became the greatest church planter that we have, the church has ever seen. And Paul's planting all these churches around the Mediterranean Rim, and one of them, he starts in the city of Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, uh, if you're a geography buff. And he starts his church, and he's there for a little while, and he gets things going, and everything kind of seems great, and then he, he moves off, and he goes to, to plant another church. And when he's in this other city, he gets word of what's been going on in Corinth. Now, I'll tell you what had been going on in Corinth, but just before I do, I need to give you some context, because if I tell you what had been going on, you'd be like, man, that's crazy, how did that happen? Um, But you need to understand what Corinth was. Uh, Corinth was a city that was known for its immorality. So all all these um, cities around the Mediterranean Rim were kind of pagan cities, and part of the pagan religion, uh, sex was, or sexual acts were part of the worship services. So it was pretty common for people to, uh, for there to be temple prostitutes, and, and people were really used to that. And we don't really know what was going on in Corinth, but for whatever reason, all these other cities around the Mediterranean Rim looked in on what Corinth was doing and was like, that's nasty. Like, that's on another level. Like, we have temple prostitutes, and it's crazy, but you guys are crazy. And in fact, they coined this term, it's called to Corinthianize, which means to be involved in sexual immorality. All the other churches, or not churches, but all these other cities looked in on the Corinthians and was like, Corinthianizers. Like, we don't have a word for what you guys are. We're just going to make up a word and give it to you. And so Paul went into this city and started a church. A city that had 12 pagan temples. The biggest one was the temple of, uh, to Aphrodite. Uh, the temple of Aphrodite was so big, so big, that at one point in history, there was 1,000 temple prostitutes working in the temple of Aphrodite. This is the kind of city that Paul uh, planted a church in. So Paul plants this church, like I said, he goes off, uh, he's hanging out in another city, and he gets word of what's been going on. And there are some things that have been going on, like if you thought your church had issues, when Paul, they're like, Paul, Paul, they've gone back to having sex with the temple prostitutes. Can you do something about it? Paul's like, oh, okay, all right, I'll write a letter. Paul, um, you know communion, like the meal, where we're like remembering Jesus' death and resurrection and kind of sharing in that? Yeah. Paul, they're getting drunk on the communion wine. Oh, no. Oh, like, what do you do? Like, you're Paul. Like, oh, man. Like, okay. So Paul, like, writes this letter. And there's one part in this letter that he addresses to a specific group of people, or a specific group of followers of Jesus. This letter was written to, only to followers of Jesus. And there's a particular group, uh, one of the things among like having sex with the prostitutes and getting drunk on communion wine uh, that they were doing is there was a group of followers of Jesus who had a gift. And everyone looked at them and they were easily able to tell, like, that's, that's a good gift. Like, that's an important gift that looked like it was important. And what they started to do is they started to go around and they started to point at other people. And so they would say, your gift is not important as my gift. Your gift doesn't look like mine. It's not that important. And they began to categorize people. And they began to categorize people in the church and they would say, well, we know you do that and we know you're really good at it, but it's just less important than mine. And, our, and they started to kind of say, categorize what gifts were important and what gifts were unimportant. And Paul is mad. Paul is fuming and Paul writes 
this party, devotes an entire chapter, actually an entire two chapters of this letter to the church in Corinthians, uh, Corinth, talking about and addressing this issue. And it's this part of the letter that we're going to dive into tonight. And it's in this part of the letter that we're going to discover that everyone plays a role in the church and only you can play your role. And chances are, your role is far more important than you could ever have thought. And so he starts, he starts this, uh, this part. He goes, God's uh, various gifts are handed out everywhere. In other words, you can see everyone's gifts, right? Everyone's got their gifts. But they all originate in. And, and here's where the people who had been telling everyone that their gifts are unimportant, they were sitting there and they were waiting. Where They originate in the fact that, that the spiritual gifts dictate how much God loves us, right, Paul? Paul's like, no. They originate in the fact that, uh, that God looks down on special people with special favor and says, you're talented and you're not. That's right, isn't it, God? Uh, isn't it, Paul? And Paul's like, no. Every gift that you see originate in God's spirit. They might be different, they might look different, but they all come from the one place. And then he goes on, he goes, God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. Connect groups, youth groups, different churches, different um, organizations and shelters that, that serve the community. But they all originate in God's spirit. In other words, what, what Paul is saying here is you might have different gifts, but you're all united in where the gifts come from. You're all united in the purpose of your gifts. The purpose of everyone's gifts is to show the hope of the world. And then Paul kind of goes on, he goes, if you, let, me, let me state it really clearly for you, Paul says, what your purpose in having these gifts is. He says, your purpose, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Not shows how spiritual they are, not shows how intelligent they are, not shows how, how good of a communicator they are or how good of a musician they are or how much Bible knowledge they have. No, no, no. Each person is given a gift to show who God is. And what that means for you, if you've been sitting here in church or maybe you thought, oh, or you've been told that your gift is unimportant, what it means is that your gift is not a measuring stick of your spirituality. And your gift has never, ever been a measuring stick of your spirituality and it was never intended to be in, understood that way. And maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, I get that. Um, I get that maybe, maybe my gift is a little more important than I thought it was. Maybe the role I play is a little more important um, than that. But, but Chris, how do I fit in? Like, what, what part do I play? How does it make sense? Like, how do I piece it all together? Because I, I, maybe I know what my gift is, but I'm not quite sure how my gift fits in and, and what role I play, because for so long I've been thinking of church as a meeting and I'm not quite sure how to break out of that. And don't worry, Paul's got you covered, because he, he anticipated that the Church of Corinth would, would ask the same question. He said, you can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking at your own body. I brought a friend with me tonight. You can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking at your own body. I thought we'd better cover it up with a cloth or else people might walk in and think like, whoa, they're sac doing sacrifices tonight. Like, <laughs> it's okay, we did the sacrifices last week. You can come back. And Paul goes, look at the body. You can understand how the church, how all the believers work together by imagining a body. And they're all sitting there like, how, what do you mean by imagining a body? And he goes on, he says, 
Uh, your body has many parts. Well, this is just a skeleton, but you can get creative. You can look at your own. Your body has many parts. It has limbs. It has ligand organs. It has cells. But no matter how many parts there are, you're still one body. No matter how many bones make up this skeleton, at the end of the day, they still come together to make one body. No matter, no matter um, whether you have a heart or whether you have a spleen or the kidneys or everything that's going on, it all comes together and it all forms together to form one body, one purpose, one idea. And Paul said it is exactly the same with Christ. It is exactly the same in the way we understand the church. And, and otherwise, Paul, Paul says, if you want to look at that, if you want to get an understanding of how important you are to the church, look at that. And if you're kind of like, yeah, but Chris, maybe, maybe I'm just like the little finger. I, I'm not good. Maybe I'm just the little finger. Maybe I'm the little toe. Maybe, maybe I'm a part that doesn't really matter that much. Have you ever thought of what would happen if someone like just decided to chop off your little finger? How important is your little finger to you if someone's like, well, let's just chop it off if it's not that important? All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I had some good times with my little finger. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'm ready to give it up just yet, you know what I mean? And, and this is the picture that Paul uses to paint of the church. Every single part works together for one purpose. And just because you may not feel important does not mean that your role is not important. And then he goes on, um, and, and really what he's saying is, is essentially this, without your gift, the church is incomplete. Because despite the fact we might be like, oh, well, maybe I could live without a pinky, or maybe I could live without a big toe, maybe if I really had to, I, I could live without a limb or use of the limb, like I've seen, but at the end of the day, we know that if we're missing a pinky, there's part of it that's missing. If we're, if we're missing an arm or a leg, there's part of us that's missing. It's not complete. And Paul says, you can't categorize people into important and unimportant because if someone's not there, if there's a follower of Jesus who is not engaged, then there's something missing. And then he goes on, he goes, I want you to, talk, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. In other words, you're not just a wheel in a cog when it comes to the church. You are more significant than you realize, not less. And then he says, a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. All the bones are different. They're made up of the same thing. They're different, but they function together in the same way. And radius and ulna are not the same as the femur. Those are the only three bones I know. Radius and ulna are not the same as the femur. Can't talk about ribs are not the same as the skull. You know, they're all, they're all different. Oh, there we go, I just made up a couple more on the spot. They're, they're all slightly different, but they function together in the same way. And then he gives a really practical example that we kind of laugh at. He uses a bit of a hyperbole, but, but it really drives home the point. He said, if foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body. Would that make it so? If the foot said, oh, I just don't want to be here anymore, would you be like, well, hang on a minute. I need you to walk around. If the foot said, I don't play the same role as the hand, I don't get to be adorned with rings and then have nail polish put on me, I want those things. In out there, Adrian would probably say, well, that's cool, we can do that for you too. But, but the foot just can't leave. <laughs> but then he goes on. He says, if ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you remove it from the body? 
And isn't that true of so many of us? We look at other people's gifts and we say that my gift is not like that gift. Therefore, I must be less important. All the while thinking that the eye somehow thinks it's got this elevated position. Imagine if you were an eye on the body. How many eyes are probably sitting there thinking, man, I wish I didn't have to look at all this stuff. I wish I could just be the hearing device. Like, I wish I didn't have to see all the stuff that this guy, this girl looks at. I wish I could just be the ear. Just because your gift is different doesn't make it any more or less important. And it goes on. He says, if the body was all eyes, how could it hear? If it was all ears, how could it smell? And essentially what Paul is saying, and I've kind of tried to condense everything in just just two little short phrases that hopefully you can remember, is this. What Paul is driving home is this. Without your gift, the church is incomplete. And without using your gift, you're incomplete. If the ear is on the side of the head and decides it's not going to hear, not going to listen, or the eye decides it's not going to see, it's not performing its function. It's missing something. It's incomplete. And I understand that perhaps some of you are sitting there tonight and you're like, okay, that makes sense. It's, all of a sudden it's clicking. It's like, yeah, awesome, sweet. I know what my gift is. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go off and serve. This is great. But I also know that there are probably some of you sitting there and you're thinking, well, all this is great, Chris, but like, I actually don't know what my gift is in the first place. Like, what is, it, what is my gift? Like, where do I fit in? Like, how, how do people find their gift? How do people know their gift? Like, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, what does it look like? So I want to give you one really simple thing, one really easy question to ask this week. It won't, won't tell you exactly what your gift is, but it'll, it'll start you on the process of being able to discover, being able to unpack, and being able to understand a little bit what your gift is or what your gifts are. And what I want you to do is I want you to just pick a couple of people, maybe three or five or I don't know, two, whoever you know. Get someone who knows you well, someone who knows you well enough and ask them this question. What is something I do that appears easy but is difficult for you? What's something I do that, that, that looks really easy and you look at that person you go wow you do that so easily but if I was to do it it would be really really difficult for me because in in our life if someone was to say what's your gift I would I would struggle be like oh I don't know but if someone was to say hey what's something I do super easy that is difficult for you to do I'd be like oh I'll be able to answer that bang straight away if I had to answer this about my wife I'd be like man you you just make catering and making people feel welcome so easy Because my idea of making someone feel welcome in in our house is just throwing a bag of chips unopened on the table and being like, yeah, we got food, boom, we're good. My wife, Emma, she's just like, whoa, 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 chips. Let's get the cheese platter out. Let's get the smoked ham. Maybe people don't like smoked ham. Let's get the fruit platter out. Let's get that going. Let's chop it up into nice little pieces. Let's get the lollies out. Let's get the chips out. There's only three people coming over, but we've got like a smorgasbord ready. Let's get, let's get the, the Coke out. Some people might like Diet Coke. Let's get Diet Coke out. Coke Zero, you know, some people are worried about cancer with Diet Coke. And she's just thinking about all this stuff. I'm like, how do you do that? See, so much effort. Because it's difficult for me. I don't think that way. And so I think like, oh, it's difficult for me. But I, I straight away think that's a gift that you have. And maybe you've been going along because it's just, it comes naturally to you. But maybe, maybe you have to work at it and people don't realize. But maybe for you, someone if was to look in and be like, oh, man, you have the ability just to have conversations with everyone off the cuff and you can just talk and talk with them for 20, 30 minutes. I don't know how you do it. 
If you're like me, you're like thinking of the question while the person's responding to their name and then 20 minutes into the conversation you've forgotten their name and then you don't know like, I'm always thinking of the next question and I'm not listening to the answer. I'm just a shocker. That's why I'm not in the connect desk. And maybe there's, there's other people in your life that for whatever reason, you look at them and you're like, you know what? You know when someone's having a bad day. You just seem to be able to tell when I'm having a bad day or when people around you are having a bad day and you just can automatically go up and say, hey, is everything all right? And for some, I don't know how you do it, but you just get people to open up to you. And for some of us, this is an opportunity to ask that question this week. Because you may be just a couple of conversations away from, some, from having this conversation a couple of times, asking a few people this question, and all of a sudden, you can see this, a similar pattern emerging. And someone's starting to say this, people, different people starting to say the same things about you. And all of a sudden, you can start to go, oh, maybe I do have a gift in this area. Maybe this is where I fit in to the body. And all the while, I just thought this was ordinary. But everyone else looks in and goes, wow, that is so important. And once you've done that, that's all I want you to do this week. For the next seven days, that's what I want you to do. Just go do some Sherlock Holmes, go and ask some people some questions, do some research. And then I want you to come back next week. Because next week, we're going to wrap this series up. And what we're going to discover next week is that despite the fact that followers of Jesus all have different gifts and all have different abilities, there is one application. There is one big application for followers of Jesus who have their gifts. And we're going to talk about that next week. But just just before you leave, in case, in case you're sitting there and you're not sure and you're like, oh, look, I don't really know if it'll make a difference. I really, I honestly, Chris, I get it, it makes sense, but I really don't know if identifying my gift will make a difference. I want to leave you with the, the words that Paul began to sum up this section of the letter that he was writing to the church at Corinth. And as I do, I'd love to invite the band back up. Because this is what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. You see, when, he said, when you understand that the church is a body, when you understand that every um, element of the body is put there for a specific purpose, what we begin to see is that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Which means that whatever job you're in, whatever friendship circle you're in right now, you are right where God wanted you to be and where God wants you right now. God did not place you there by accident. God did not give you those gifts by accident. You were placed there with a purpose and you have no idea what hangs in the balance of understanding what your gift is and understanding what God has called you to be and the way that God has called you to show His love in the environment and in the communities and in the groups that you're a part of. So this week, ask the question. Begin to to dig a little deeper. Begin to find out where do you fit into all of it? Because the church is not a meeting. It's a movement. And without your gift, the church is missing something important. And without using your gift, you're incomplete. So think about this week, and I'd love to invite you to join us back next week as we wrap this series up. But I'm going to pray for us all really, really quickly. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. Lord, we thank you that 
because of an issue that was going on in a church 2,000 years ago that it can speak to us today. That we can realize that, that for whatever reason, whether it was because we were told or maybe it's because of the way that we think church operates, that maybe our gifts were not that important. Lord, I pray tonight that there are some people here who begin to see some people who have maybe been doubting the, their gift. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to them and show them that without their gift, the church is actually incomplete. And without using their gift, they're incomplete because they're not being who you created them to be. Lord, and that doesn't mean that we just have to serve in a building, at a meeting. But Lord, you call us to be the church wherever we go. So Lord, this week, I pray that we wouldn't just think about how our gifts apply in an hour on a Sunday because there's 176 hours in the rest of the week. So Lord, I pray that we would begin to think, where are you using us for the rest of this week? Where are you moving us for the rest of this week? And how can we be the church? How can we use the gift that you have given us right where we're at? If you've placed us right here, Lord, what gift have you given us and how do you want us to use that right where we're at? We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.